This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Episode 15. Ever wonder what it's like to be a flight attendant? Well, today I'm excited to have my first flight attendant on Aviation Careers Podcast to help us understand the exciting career of flight attendant. First, a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Audible. It's important to keep motivated and informed when you're pursuing a career. One of the best ways to increase your knowledge and keep motivated is to listen to books during your downtime, such as commuting to work, running on a treadmill, or walking through the park. One of the great things about Audible is that the first book is free, and there's no obligation to continue the subscription. You can cancel at any time and keep the book. Audible helps support this website, and I encourage you to visit Audible at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash audible. There are many great books you can listen to, with one of my favorites being 48 Days to the Work You Love by Dan Miller. I encourage you to discover your true potential and keep motivated by listening to audiobooks. Again, you can download your first book for free by clicking on the Audible icon or by going to aviationcareerspodcast.com slash audible. In today's show, we discuss pursuing a career as a flight attendant, and I'm very excited to have with me the person I feel is best to introduce the career of aviation and flying as a flight attendant, and that is Betty. Betty is a flight attendant with a major airline. She's also author of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase and host of the long-running podcast with the same name, Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I think we'll learn much as she introduces you to the exciting world as a flight attendant. Welcome, Betty. Hi. It's so nice to be here. <laughs> Thanks for, for coming by. And uh, we, I'm, I'm here uh, broadcasting from sunny Florida, Jacksonville, Florida, and uh, hope you're in someplace fun, too. I actually am. I'm right here at the beach. The beach? Oh. Uh, Hilton. Hilton Head Island. Oh, oh, gosh, not not too far away, but uh, <laughs> yeah. But Betty, you know, we we brought you on here, and and I, I think a lot of our listeners have been asking, you know, what is it like to be a flight attendant? And we're going to talk a little bit about the different types of job, but specifically becoming a flight attendant with a major airline because that's exactly what you do. And you know, but before we get started with that, how, how did you get interested in this job as being a flight attendant? You know, I grew up in uh, a small town outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I think from the time I was, I don't know, four, I always wanted to travel. I wanted to see things. I, I saw that people uh, kind of moved down the street from their parents and never, you know, went very far, and I always wanted to travel. My, my, my family didn't have much money, so I always like, was kind of thinking of things I could do to actually travel. And I went to college, got out of college. It was kind of hard to get a job. And uh, People Express, the first um, low-cost carrier a long time ago, came to town. And I was like, yes, sign me up. <laughs> I, uh, I actually like, went for an interview there and was in training like a, like a week later. And uh, eventually, I went on to a major airline because, you know, it's just more stable and you get to go to more destinations. And for someone who wants to travel, who doesn't have a lot of money, you know, it's, it's really it's really a good career choice. So really, it was, you know, to make money, but also to enable you to travel. It wasn't just about the money. It's, it's the ability to see places in the world, which is something that appeals me to the whole airline flying is that you can see the world and, you know, you see it 
under using somebody else's dime. You get to stay in these wonderful hotels everywhere and, and travel some amazing places. Is, is there any of these places that maybe you could share real quickly that, that you think have been, you know, what was your most amazing place or one of your most amazing places that you stayed? Well, I love to travel. I mean, not just for work. For work, because I fly international at my job, so I go, like in a normal month, I'll go to Paris and London and Rome, and I love all of those. So it's fantastic, especially when someone else is paying for it. But I really use the travel benefits. So in any given year, I take maybe three, four, and a good year, five trips on my own time. <laughs> I just went to Costa Rica. I just got back a couple of days ago. Uh, I love it there. I love Africa. I've been able to go to like far-flung destinations like Easter Island. And, you know, I'll go to like Morocco or the Middle East. Or, you know, it's just the the opportunity. And I, I try to tell people this. I wasn't, money was never a factor for me getting the job because uh, wealth is very relative. And I, I find, I feel that I'm travel rich is the word I use. <laughs> and to me, that's the most important currency because it's the most exciting thing to me. It's what I'm passionate about. So the fact that I get to travel and I can basically travel for free, I, I think it's a fantastic career if, if that's what you're into. And I think there's, you know, we're all kindred spirits there at the airlines because we all love to travel. And and one thing, too, is we, we love that diversity of, of the groups of people that come here to work at the airlines. It's it's amazing the stories people bring. And Well, you know, people don't realize that. They don't realize, they think of, well, especially with the flight attendants, they think of us as a, a specific type of person. But in the flight attendant group, you, you've got, like, there's people who are lawyers on the side. Of course, you have interior decorators and real estate. You have people that do all kinds of things. It's actually a very diverse group. Oh, yeah, it sure is. And and I love, you know, just uh, last night I was talking to three flight attendants, and it was just amazing to hear the stories. One was from Spain, another one was from Portugal, another one was from uh, uh, North Dakota. And just to hear them all interact and talk about all <laughs> right. those different cultures. And it's funny, but we all f- have this common ground, and, and it's just, just, just a wonderful to, to have that ability to have that conversation. And we're talking about things from all over the world. But what's neat, too, is they say, hey, listen, if you want to go there, just let me know, and, and we can meet up sometime. And that's, that's terrific. I think that's wonderful that we, we have that camaraderie. Um, but, you know, you had mentioned travel benefits, and uh, our audience is fairly new to this whole airline thing. Uh, maybe you could explain a little bit what you meant by travel benefits. What can you do with those benefits? Well, every airline is slightly different, and some airlines will have a small charge, and sometimes you're paying taxes. But if you talk to a normal person, um, if the taxes are $26 or something, basically that's free travel. And it's standby. You know, you're... Um, you have to be smart about it. I tend to uh, really pay attention to the flights, you know, the loads, wherever I'm going. And I try to go in off months or when the kids are back in school and things like that. But um, with my airline, it costs like, your travel benefits cost like $50 for the year. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's great. So you're talking, it's, it's, it's not free, but it's practically free air travel standby. But that benefit alone um, for some people, if you utilize it like I do, it really makes for, you're basically living, I feel like I live above my pay grade. <laughs> right. You, you know, you travel like a rock star, I and mean, that's terrific. Well, you know, and lots of times you get to sit in, in business class. So, you I, you know, I actually feel like, say, I'm going to, I went to Palau recently, which is an island um, 
out in the middle of like South Pacific and I had to go through Tokyo and I was sitting, you know, in first class thinking, you know, life's pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) You can't, can't beat that boy. And and imagine getting that ticket, how much that would cost, you know, I, I know. And see, that's what I always, I always, um, I never, I never take it for granted. I'm still, I've been flying for 25 years and when I'm sitting in first class going somewhere, I feel privileged and, it's a huge benefit and something I don't think I'll ever take it for granted because it's, it's so fun. <laughs> you know, it's interesting you said that because sometimes you fly with people that really are down and they, they're, they're, yes. the job's getting old. And I tell them to do exactly what you, you just said. Just get out and travel somewhere different and see the world. Just one place. And you will come back with a different perspective. And maybe you'll even have a different perspective on your job. Reju- you know, it would re- rejuvenate you as far as, as being a flight attendant. Right. You're talking about careers and whether a career is good for you. And if, if, if you're not going to use the travel benefits, and a lot of people don't say, you know, you're involved in your family. And I know people who never go anywhere. Um, so then the job can become a little more, um, they can focus more on the negative things because they're not, they're not utilizing the most positive thing about the job. And, and you know, it's interesting you said that because this was kind of a point I wanted to bring up is even if you don't use the travel benefits, which I don't use them really that much, I, what I do personally is I try to get overnights, you know, actually work yeah. and, and try to get those overnights in spots where I normally wouldn't travel otherwise. Right. Yeah. And uh, so that's kind of a neat way to, to not tra- use your travel benefits, but not. But then again, you know, in another couple of weeks, I'm going on a vacation and I'm using my travel benefits and I get to fly there for free. And that's just, just, just so, it's so strange. You know, I was furloughed from the airlines and I had forgotten mm. that I couldn't just go to, you know, breakfast in Bonaire, you know, or I couldn't just jump and go to Rome and have dinner. I was like, oh my gosh, you know, I have to actually buy a ticket. And, and then I re, I think that, really enabled me to enjoy my job better the next time I came back is to realize yeah. what I really had in those travel benefits. Um, but and, you know, Bonaire is really nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great diving. Bonaire is really nice. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and basically the world is your oyster when you, you do get to do that. You just, you can open it up and say, Hey, I'm going to go here. And it's amazing what pearls you can find when you're out there traveling. Um, now the flight attendant job itself though, uh, you know, because okay. you know, it's not just about traveling. You know, we do right. we do have you're flight right. attendants, and and you know, there's wonderful benefits in working for an airline. No matter if you're a flight attendant, mechanic, or a pilot, you get these benefits. Right. But but this flight attendant job, and and why? First of all, why do we have flight attendants? And I guess you know, for I can tell you what I feel about flight attendants. First, is that you know, to me, the flight attendant is incredibly important because that is the ambassador really for the airline who's in front of the customer the most is the flight right. attendant and they're there you know they're not just you know a coke machine with a smile there's somebody there that's actually helping you and assisting you and serving and are there for your safety and they're the ambassadors for the airline so with that said you know what what do you feel a flight attendant is you know why do we have them and what do you think a flight attendant is well, I would say there's a lot of flight attendants who get all high and mighty saying, you know, we are primarily here for your safety. And that's true. Um, you know, we're there in case there's an emergency landing, in case there's a fire, in case there's a decompression, in case there's a medical emergency. But, you know, that doesn't happen as often. So I would say the actual truth is we are there for customer service. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. You know, you need 
you need a flight. You need people on the airplane. I mean, when you get that many people smashed into a metal tube, you know, you need someone to keep the peace. You need someone to be the kindergarten cop. You need someone to be, you know, the smiling faces after they come through TSA. You know, there are people who get really, you know, they do get in that whole thing, but we're here for your safety. Yes, we are there for your safety, but it's actually more important, if you ask me, that we're there to serve the customer, to make it a better experience for them, for them to want to come back. And there's so many things these days that can be negative about the airline, you know, like the security, like the lines, all kind of things like that. So once they get on the plane, you know, maybe, you know, we, we have the opportunity to make it then a positive experience. So I think I, it's just my personal opinion, but my personal opinion is that we are really there to serve the customer. Sure, I, I think you're right. I mean, we, we, you're definitely there as a flight attendant to serve serve that customer and uh, and assist them. I mean, they they don't you don't realize I think from a customer's uh, standpoint how important that person is because they can really if you're nice to the flight attendant they can really help you out. They can get information for your next flight. They can maybe you know get you a, a coke or something like that quicker that type of thing. And and I think the other way around is true too. Is that as, as a flight attendant, I think you have to look at it and say, hey, this is a really important job, and I am that front line of customer service. And yeah, of course you're there for your, their safety too. But you know, hopefully that you don't have to use right. those skills yeah. very often, which, which we normally <laughs> don't. Yeah, right. I guess really the only time that the one other thing that I like to mention, I think, is that the uh, uh, medical emergencies. I think uh, that's that's important too because some people do have problems uh, on board an aircraft. Of course, you try to find an EMT or or a doctor, but uh, you definitely that's that's the first person that's going to help you is that flight attendant there. Yeah, and you know what? That's a very stressful part of the job because. Um, you know, we have some training, but, you know, we're not medical professionals. So when somebody does have a medical problem on the airplane, you know, <laughs> it, it is, that's when, you know, things get really um, front and center. You know, it's like, this is somebody's health. This is important. And, you know, thank goodness we, we usually page for a doctor or a medical professional. And thank goodness, more times than not, there is a medical person. And the fact that they're willing to stand, you know, step up and help, they don't have to, you know, is fantastic for us, and I'm so relieved once the doctor gets there. Oh, that's for sure. That's for sure. And they, and then you have all that equipment on board too, you know, to help right. people with the, if they do have an issue. And it's it's amazing. The uh, you've probably seen this over the years how that equipment has gotten better. I mean, some of these machines are automated now. Oh, the yeah, the defibrillator. You know, that's really a life saving device, and it's it's very simple to use. You know, it it, it talks to you. <laughs> <laughs> you turn it on and it starts, you know, tells you what to do, which I love that. Um, you know, there's definitely, actually, I like to bring up, and I know um, so many people complain about the airlines and stuff, but not just the medical equipment. I think sometimes we forget so many of the things that have changed in air travel. I mean, the fact that there's little TV screens and there was Wi-Fi on the plane. I mean, just 10 years ago, you know, you mainly were just sitting there, you know, maybe with an overhead screen and a bad movie showing. And things really have, there have actually been a lot of improvements. Oh, they sure have. And and in some cases, they've gotten more, uh, I'd say, more comfortable in the aircraft in certain respects. And I guess in other respects, obviously, is not quite as much as they, they pack more people into these. But, uh, you know, uh, getting back to the just working as a flight attendant, sure. the... As far as a, you're an international flight attendant, so maybe you could speak towards right. what it's like to be an international flight attendant. And maybe, uh, I'm sh- sure you've had experience domestically, maybe you could just tell us what it's like. I mean, what's, how do you start you know, your day and what do you do? 
Well, it's very different whether you're flying international. I flew domestic for almost 20 years, so I'm very familiar with that also. You know, when you're flying domestic, it, it can be a long day. Um, we can lots of times work 12-hour days. We don't have the same restrictions as the pilots do. We can, we can work pretty long hours, and sometimes there isn't that much food on board, and sometimes you're running between flights. And, you know, it can be... Um, it can be a stressful job. It can be a long day, but I always look at it compared to a regular person's job because even if you're doing a long day, even if you have, you know, a stressful day, you're not doing it five days a week usually. <laughs> so even if you're flying domestic, you're not, you're not doing that five days a week. So, and it's also something else I, I like to tell people is with most jobs, you take your work home with you. And even if you're flying a domestic trip and it can be stressful and a lot of things happen you don't have to take it home with you you don't take those passengers home with you you know you don't take any of your problems home with you so the the domestic even though sometimes i think it, it can be challenging it's not as challenging as the normal day-to-day grind and flying international like i do um the people are in a different um mental state because they're going somewhere, you know, it's not, it's not as much drudgery. So I find that the people are sort of um, more excited. You know, it's a, it's a different feeling on the airplane when you're flying international. And for me, I love where I'm going. So, you know, if I'm going to Paris, if I'm going to Rio de Janeiro or wherever it is to me, I'm excited about where I'm going. So uh, it can be a long day. It can be, you know, flying all night, but there's, there's such a good payoff that it's, to me, it's worth it. Wow, I'm, gra- I'm glad you brought that point up, and, and and it's true. It really is different. The passengers, you know, when you're going to somewhere like Acapulco or Puerto Vallarta, it's a lot different than say you're going to Detroit. You know, there's, right. there's uh, it's totally there's, different. Yeah, yeah, it is, and and uh, I'm glad you brought. You know, I haven't thought about that much, but that's very true. Get- you get less nut jobs <laughs> because you, know, you have to have a passport. The tickets are more expensive. You get less crazy right. folk right. <laughs> when you're going international. There's a bit, bit more background, I guess, they do on some of these folks, too, when you're going international. Yeah. And, and now going international, have you ever had any problems? I mean, what, how about laws and stuff? You, know, you just go to all these different countries. Normally, as a passenger, I have to go get like a visa in a lot of these places. You just go, right? Yeah, you just go. There actually, even for flight crew, there's a few places you need a visa. Like for China, you need a visa. There's Russian, Russia. You need, there are some places where we actually still have to get a visa. But, um, yeah, it's all taken care of by the airline. Um, they've already made all the arrangements. You kind of go in and out of customs and immigration faster than most people. There's some places, like in Paris, where we go down stairs off the jetway, and they take us right into a bus and take us right to the hotel. Like, we don't even go through the airport, you know, so... You're taking out a lot of the hassle that, you know, regular travelers go through. Right, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And that, uh, you know, it's interesting what you said about uh, getting, you know, you take, you leave the job at your job. You don't take it home with you. And that's uh, one of the other things you don't get all stressed out about, about the uh, actual travel. You're not thinking about that when you get home because it's so easy. You just show up and they usually whisk you through security. But there is one thing I think that I see flight attendants every so often doing and that there's this time of year that they have to study for a test. Oh, and, we hate that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and that that takes a, a little time. What what is that? What what is that? What are they studying for? Well, you know, it's it's called different things. It's um, different airlines can be called you know continuing qualification, jet recurrent. Um, it's just that we have to get requalified every year, and you have to 
I always say you have to scream and shout, you know, you have to scream, you know, bend over, stay down, all the like emergency instructions and we get judged. (laughs) It's like, it's very stressful because you have to pretend like you're in an emergency situation and yelling commands and um, you get your adrenaline's going and they're, they're the instructors are critiquing you. And um, then we had to do a bunch of acting too. We didn't ever used to have to do that. (laughs) They put us in these situations, you know, it's like, you know, fake terrorists and things. And we, they judge us on how we do with that. So most, I, I, I think I've run into two flight attendants that don't get stressed out about it. I mean, most flight attendants get very stressed out about it because it is a, it's a stressful couple days and, you know, you have to, you need to be prepared. There's like the airline I worked for, there's so many airplanes and you have to know so much about each one of them. It really is a lot of information and, it, it's a it's a stressful time of year for flight attendants. <laughs> so you really have to study. It sounds like. Yeah, you know we all do. And actually, I talked to a lot of flight attendants with a lot of funny situations because um, different airlines have different emergency commands. But I'll talk to their people. They're like, my husband's like, what are you screaming in there? Because they're in their bedroom, you know, screaming. Bend over, stay down, bend over. Release your seatbelts. Get out, get out. Release your seatbelts. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I actually talked to one flight this guy, and he said he brought tape into his hotel room because we usually are staying at a hotel wherever we had to go to the training. And he taped on the walls, um, like the different doors of the different airplanes with tape so he could, you know, like, oh, that's pretend a good idea. like, yeah, <laughs> he's pretending like he's opening them in his hotel. Can you imagine being in the other room and oh he's like, oh, he's just seatbelts, get out, get out. <laughs> I think they're listening to a bad movie next door, you know. <laughs> that, you know, so they they really you do have to study once a year. So that's about it. I mean, you're uh, otherwise you uh you pretty much it just leave it behind, you know. That's work is work, you know. And, yes, you know, and most pilot, people bring it home. Yes. You know, they have they have to whatever their job is. Speaking of uh home, how how do you usually get to work and and maybe you could talk a little bit about commuting to work? Sure, I commute to work. Uh, I look at that as another benefit of working for an airline. I don't know that many jobs where you can choose to live in another state and still still get to work. Um, I, you know, it's a lot of people look at that as pretty stressful too because I leave here um, about eight hours before I have to be at work. (laughs) It's like a normal person's work day. Right, right. (laughs) I leave just to make sure I can get to work. But it's worth it to me to live, um, you know, in the place that I want. And I also make jokes. Um, here we are talking about, you know, careers. And I make jokes for my job. It's like, okay, it's time to go to work. Let the napping begin. Because <laughs> I, yeah, I drive to the airport, hopefully get on the plane, and I take a nap. And then I get to the airport like four, sometimes five hours early because I have to make sure I can get there. And then so I'll take a nap and the <laughs> Because <laughs> I'm usually going on on my flight, and then then you work the service, um, and then we get crew rest. So then I take a nap. I mean, there's a lot of napping, and sometimes and I explain to people, yeah, there's a lot of napping, but that's actually you know my when you put those naps together, that's going to be like my whole night's sleep, which is not normal for most people. <laughs> no, no, and and it's interesting. You said eight hours. Wow, that seems like a long time, but if you think about it, some right. people do that every you know if you add up all the hours people commute in a right, week, yeah. they'll do that in a week. Yeah, Easily. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, especially if they're in the New York or any of the big cities. Right, I mean, they're, yeah. They're going to drive for hours to get to work. But yeah, they probably don't get to nap. Yes, but they don't <laughs> exactly. They don't get to sleep unless they're on a train, but they don't normally get to sleep. Right. 
But now, after you get to work, you you have the schedule, and you get to you know I guess you bid your schedules and and that type of thing. And that's where seniority comes into play. And yes. something that I think a lot of folks don't understand, and we try to talk about it a little bit here, is what is seniority, and why is it so darn important? I know it's like. It's everything at the airline. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> and uh, especially after you get some of it, because I have 25 years now. And it's funny because to most civilians, people not in the airline, they go, wow, that's a really long time. And I'm actually like mid-pack. <laughs> really? <laughs> no, wow. I'm wow. not senior. Wow. Actually, I'm a little above mid-pack. Um, so, but... Um, I'm mid-pack, but let me tell you, being mid-pack is much better than being at the bottom. So oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like I have some – I'm able to hold international uh, flights, so that makes um, – since that's what I like to fly. And you also, if you can hold international trips, if you need to get rid of trips, it's easy to get rid of them because the junior people like to go, you know, get a chance to go to Paris or wherever. Um, the, the seniority makes a big difference. But I was going to mention – uh, talking about careers, um, it, it, the airlines have always been about seniority. But recently, there have been some improvements in that area because, uh, at least at the airline that I work for, the new hires aren't on call the whole month. Um, it's sort of spread out because there have been times um, where we haven't done any hiring and it really wasn't fair to have the same people be on call, you know, for 10 years, you know, so they, they sort of spread it out and people do like three days or six days. So a new person, even though they're at the bottom of the pack, is actually, they're almost a little better off than they used to be. And another thing, um, which is I'm sure is different than, you know, uh, all the pilots you're normally talking to, is that, you know, you guys have a limit on how many hours you can work. And that has changed a lot in uh, a flight attendant's career because now, in general, there's no limitation. So say you're a new hire and you make a lot less per hour. You actually have the choice. You have the opportunity to work a lot more if you need the money, you know, if that's what's important to you. Uh, you or you also have the luxury of not working as much if you don't want to. So I think that it has always been historically one of the most flexible jobs you can have. And actually in the last, I don't know, decade or so, it's actually become more flexible because there's some people, you know, say their husband's not working or something, they have the opportunity to work 140 hours, 160 hours a month if they need to, whereas you didn't used to be able to do that. So um, where seniority is everything, I do think in the last few years, there's been some improvements in that area. So, you know, it's not necessarily just the senior people have it all. <laughs> I, I, I think I agree. I mean, I've heard that from many other airlines doing experiments with like the half uh, on, half off or reserve. And when you're on call for the month, I think that's terrific. It yeah, is. It really awesome. helps for the new people. It, I tell you, the people I, I was still, I still had um, on call days just two years ago. Uh, it can go all the way up to, and some bases are more uh, senior than other bases. That makes a difference too, where you live. Um, there's some bases where there's you still have people on call, you know, at like 28 years. <laughs> you know, like they, wow. still, they can still get called at 2:30 in the morning. <laughs> wow. And uh, you know, some people choose to be on call, I guess, to get that's weekends true. off. Uh, or yes, that type of every thing. and that's another flexible thing. You know, people, everybody's different, and everybody wants different things, and uh, you know, what's important to one person is different to the other, and that's actually also a a nice benefit. 
Oh, sure. And and I think that's why people do fly is that incredible flexibility. Like something you just said there is you can actually get rid of trips if you want to if you want to. Say you have a month where you want to have a lot of time off, you can do that. You can you can go down to zero hours if you want to. And if you have trips that other people want, you know, you put them on the computer and people take them and then the next month you could turn around and work double what you normally worked to make up for that month if you know if you needed to. Right, and that's a, a limitation that uh, you don't have anymore, but the pilots still do. And uh, the other thing, too, is a, there's a limitation on pilots that you don't have, and that's something I wanted to have you explain, is this limitation as far as age is concerned. The pilots, they have to leave their job at right. 65, but when do you have to leave the job? <laughs> there's no age. <laughs> and some people have problems with that. <laughs> there's people who's like, oh, those dinosaurs, they talk about some of the flight attendants, but you know, if they choose to stay, we have um, the oldest flight attendant at my airline is 85. Wow. Uh, and it's a guy, which I find odd, because I don't even remember them having that many male flight attendants, <laughs> you know, that long ago. But, um, yeah, you can stay as long as you want. And I don't know if that's going to change at any point, but there's a lot of flight attendants who are actually, you know, people will complain about older flight attendants, but I fly with lots of people. I know this one woman in particular, she must be like 76. And you know what? She's spry. She's energetic. She still loves her job. And she, she can retire, but she doesn't want to. She likes it. You know, it's kind of her social life. She still likes the traveling. She just doesn't work that much. And that's an unbelievable, you know, the fact that you can have the ability to stay, you know, oh, and sure. people don't want to people don't want to leave. You know, if you look at it, like you're senior enough, you can hold the best trips and you only work a couple trips a month, you know, it's kind of like being in semi-retirement without really having to, you know, leave totally. And that right there is important. I'm glad you said that. People don't want to leave. There's something about that a job where people don't want to leave. <laughs> Think about it. It's I actually mean. so funny because I, and along with almost every flight attendant I have ever talked to, said, oh, I was going to do it for two years. I thought I'd fly for two <laughs> years. And, you know, 38 years later... <laughs> <laughs> and there must be something about it, you know. So it's, yeah. but you know what happened? The thing that's interesting is that we go and we, I sit in a crash pad. And actually, we'll talk a little bit about that. And you'll hear people complaining all the time. But then you tell them, hey, listen, why don't you just quit and do something else? They're like, oh, no. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to quit this job. I was like, oh, okay. Because they sound like they want to leave their job. And then you realize they're like, no, I really, really like this place. And, and I like my job. I like my flexibility. I like the fact I can go visit my cousins in France. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. And speaking of crash pad, that, you know, that's, I'm not sure I've really mentioned that much is a crash pad. Now, do you have a crash pad? And what is a crash pad, I, I guess, first? I don't use a crash pad. Mm -hmm. um, but what it is is the, um, especially if you're junior, especially if you have on-call days and you're living in another state, a lot of people will share, uh, like, because usually one person's in charge. One person rents a place, and then they put up, like, a note in the flight attendant in the pilot lounge. And you can have, like, 22 people sharing a crash pad, at, like, say, in a place that's expensive, like New York, because, you know, you can't afford to, you know, pay for hotels, that many hotel rooms a month. So you'll have like 22 people all paying like, you know, $100, $125, whatever it is. And they'll get like a drawer <laughs> they'll put their sheets and their towels and their, so, you know, and their pillows and there's so many beds. And uh, it makes sense. It works for a lot of people. I haven't had to do it because my commute isn't very far and um, I don't have to spend but one or two nights a year 
in a hotel, so there's no point for me to have a crash pad, but it really works for a lot of people. I know it's a little strange, so I always think, like, I wonder what that bathroom looks like. Right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> 22 a, people. As a matter of fact, I've never really used a crash pad, and I stay away from them. And I, I always tell people you should try try what I do. Is I, I rent rooms in people's homes. It's a little oh, tougher yeah. to find. But the, yeah. the neatest thing about it is that they actually think that your job is something it isn't, and they, they're very sympathetic. They're like, oh, you have to go to, to work at 3 in the morning, and, yeah. oh, you know, we'll be quiet, and I feel bad for you. Here, let me get you some cookies for the morning. I was like, this is great. <laughs> you know, I don't tell them I have the next week off, but that's okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, we do have strange hours, I have to say, because I, I have mentioned a lot of positive things about that. We do. That's probably one of the biggest um challenges is lack of sleep because that that is something you sort of can't get away from in the airline industry you're always getting up early you're always staying up all night you know uh i tend to sleep a lot on um you know catch up on my days off but it is um that is a challenging aspect to an airline job well and, and you know i think too you can work yourself into a sleep schedule somewhat and and, and I think that's important as far as, you know, being, say, qualified to fly as a flight attendant right. or anything in the airlines is understanding that fact. I know uh, I'm kind of strange. I like to get up at 3 or 4 in the morning. So sometimes I'll just find schedules where they all start at 4 a.m. And for me, right. that's perfect. So and, and the airlines do have that. They have that ability yeah. to, to find those things. But so that's basically one of the qualifications uh, for being a flight attendant is, you, you really may not get much sleep, and you better know how to sleep at any time. Tiny can. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> like a mother. Yes, exactly. <laughs> sleep when the kid's sleeping. But, you know, the, the qualifications for that job as a flight attendant really vary. But what, do you, what have you found at the place you work and other airlines in general as far as qualifications, like the minimums that you've seen? Sure. Well, actually, it, that's a very interesting question because there aren't that many, like, written requirements for the job, but it actually is still a very competitive job market. Uh, the airline I work for, we had a, they were hiring a thousand flight attendants mm -hmm. about a year ago, and they got a hundred thousand applications. Wow. So while you're not required to have a college degree, most likely when they have a hundred thousand applications, it's just one way to sort through them, you know? So, um, you're, you have a much better chance if you have a college degree. And another thing these days, it's changed a lot, but one of the things that can help you get a leg up to become a flight attendant these days because the world is getting so much smaller is um, having being fluent in another language. That's really your best calling card <laughs> to get a job as a flight attendant these days. So you need to go to college. So if you're going to college and you want to be a flight attendant, you might as well like major in another language and maybe take a semester abroad. So if, if that's what you wanted to do, those are your best um, ways to get a leg up. That's a that's great advice, and you could even use that some other you know I don't know working in some other government job or Lots teaching. Of things, yes, yeah, yeah but that's, that's great advice. That's the one thing that really sets you apart because if you're looking at a hundred thousand applications, you know they're gonna they're gonna pick the cream of the crop. You know they're gonna pick what they need. And actually, this is interesting. I flew with the flight attendant um, a couple months ago, and he didn't even apply for the airline. I never even heard of this before. He had his application on monster.com, yes. but he speaks Dutch, and the airline called him. And he thought wow. they were calling about, like, the frequent flyer program or something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like soliciting something. And they're like, you want to come in for <laughs> But that's how much they need certain languages. So um, it's become 
the most important thing, whereas it didn't used to be. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, they, um, and, and that gives you more opportunities is actually knowing those languages within the airline because you can actually yes. do certain things. And, and you and, can bypass. Um, you, can, you can actually, you end up, you don't have more seniority, but you get the best trips because you're, you are language qualified. So you can actually like skip over some of the bad things. Well, what <laughs> what would be an example of that? Sure. Like say you're French qualified um, and you can hold Paris. Uh, whereas a junior flight attendant who doesn't have a language qualification is flying, you know, to Arkansas <laughs> and Cincinnati, and they're hopping around on these little flights, you know, that, you know, you don't make as much money because you don't get paid when you're on the ground. So uh, the longer flights are always more desirable. So if you have a language qualification, you're sort of bypassing the less desirable flights and skipping right to the international stuff, which is what most people like better. Well, that's that's a great. I mean, that that's just one way to jump way ahead, and I've seen that yeah. happen. It's a, it, it is so knowing a language, having a college degree, and uh, how about other things like uh, I guess customer service jobs, having experience yes. there, maybe. There's experience there, and it's always like I I talk to a lot of people that are um, people email me when they want to become a flight attendant. I'm always like, you know. Everybody says, I love to travel and I love people, but lots of times people really don't love people. Right. <laughs> I would say if you want to have this job, you really should at least like people. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, actually at like a job interview, for some reason, even though it really doesn't make a lot of sense, the airlines like it when you talk about your family. Uh, I don't know, maybe it makes you seem more stable or something, but um, some things that most people wouldn't think of at an airline interview actually really help. They, you know, it's interesting. I, I went to this museum. It was a TWA museum, and they showed all the qualifications for a flight attendant. And I was like, oh, my God. I mean, how, how, do, they, how do they even get people for this job here? You know, <laughs> the, the, the perfect, you know, perfect smile, perfect tan. You had to be a certain size. And, you know, obviously they don't have those requirements anymore. But they do have a lot of other requirements. And right. those requirements, you know, they, they're a lot more intellectual. You know, you have to know languages, or it's better to know a language, I should say. And... And, and be right. able to work with people. And it is very competitive. But that said, you know, don't let that hinder you. You know, give it a shot. You never know. You might make it kind of thing. Even if you feel you can't do it, I find in this aviation career in general, there's there's a lot of people say, oh, no, I'll never be able to do that. I'll never be able to become a flight attendant uh, because there's like 10,000 other people applying or like you said, 100,000 people. And, you know, what kind of advice you give to somebody like that that says you know i can't you know i can't do this i see all these other people they've again have the perfect hand they have a degree and and you know what do i have yeah but you know also there's a whole bunch of things that aren't on paper you know they're looking for certain personality traits you know like being friendly being outgoing you know and that that you don't learn in school you know that that's something you have you know uh um uh humorous personality. I actually, this is kind of getting off topic, but we used to have the height requirements. And I talked to one flight attendant who was like, I said, how could you get hired? Because I could tell she was like barely five feet and it used to be like five feet two. And um, she goes, oh, that's a story. So she says, um, I've talked to people before where someone said they put a bunch of band-aids like under their pantyhose, like band-aid after band-aid after band-aid trying to make themselves taller. <laughs> she said she, she got there giving it, measuring her and they're like, okay, well, I'm sorry, but you're too short. And she says, um, well, can we do it again? 
And the lady's like, well, there's no point doing it again. You know, you're not tall enough. She's like, no, 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 I, I want to do it again. She's like, okay. So she stands on her tippy toes. <laughs> the lady goes, well, you're standing on your tippy toes. And um, this is a cute little Asian girl. And she goes, oh, uh, my feet are like Barbies. They just stay like this. <laughs> the lady thought it was funny and she hired her. That's so, great. you know, there's something right there. You know, it's like a sense of humor. Um, people can tell when you're sort of like the life of the party, you know, and you're going to be, you know, people are going to like having you on the plane. So there's a bunch of intangible things. So I would say anybody should try for it because, you know, if you have the personality for it, like when I got hired, I literally thought to myself, okay, what does a fly attendant look like? And I went and got a suit and got the same shoes and styled my hair like I'd seen. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to look like a fly attendant when I go in there. And I think that makes a difference too, you know. Knowing that, and that gives you confidence too when you walk right. in yeah. like that. I think that's terrific. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's, like you said, there's so many other things that you as a person can bring to the table that you may not realize you have. You know, that sense of humor that that you don't realize you might have, or the ability to work with people, or your background, the, the fact that you, you're a very family-oriented person, etc., that may resonate with the person that is interviewing with you. Yeah, and you could just click with the person, too, you know? There's something that you can't explain. That person really likes you, you know? Like, I had an interview with, when I worked for the main, the main airline that I work for now, um, we talked about non-airline stuff for my interview, and we just got along really well. You know? <laughs> and, and that worked. So, you know, I would say anybody should try. It can't hurt to try, you know. It's not going to happen if you don't try. So, <laughs> Well, Betty, just from talking to you, I don't think uh, there's anybody that wouldn't get along with you. That's, that's terrific. <laughs> yeah, you definitely have a great attitude. I can see why, why you especially would, would get hired anywhere. But, uh, you know, after, after someone does get hired, they, they ask the next question. And uh, this is... This is always a sticking point. I always tell people don't don't normally ask this question in an interview, even though it's very important. Because yes. one of th- one thing about doing a, any job is that yeah, you want to do what you love to do, but you also you have to pay your bills. And right. uh, one of the things we have to talk about is pay is is actual pay of flight attendants. And uh, you know, I I can actually, as a matter of fact, let me just read some statistics here okay. real quick as far as numbers and and pay is concerned. Uh, I take this from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, so that's uh, I just want to show that we're being very transparent as far as what the actual dollar signs are. But do you know the median uh, wage for flight attendants is thirty-seven thousand seven hundred? Is the median? What that means is the actual middle, right. you know, it, and half or above, half or below. But the lowest ten percent make about twenty-five thousand, and or, or less, and the top ten percent earn sixty-four thousand or more. So there's your range. If you put yourself in that top 10%, you can actually make that kind of money and even more than that. And, and another interesting thing, and this kind of scares people off, so don't look at this number, is that starting pay entry level right. can be as low as sixteen, seventeen thousand. And but yeah. but think about this. I you know I work as a, a captain, and when I started, I was making sixteen thousand a year. But I, I, know. Don't, I don't make anywhere near that now. So, so you have to look at those things. So now with those numbers, you know, and, and in an airline, for instance, where you work, you could actually do better than that by doing certain things. And, and what would that be? And, and how much more can maybe somebody expect to make than, say, just the 63 that this talks about? You know, they can make more. And I know people that do make more um, by flying um, purser or every airline is a different term, but uh, flight attendant in charge or flight leader. Um, if you want to do that, you make you could make up to like six dollars an hour more, uh, and that's a significant amount. Uh, and also working more hours. There are people that work 
I know people who are flight attendants who are supporting, you know, like a family of five, you know, and they can do it because they, they work more hours. Um, they still probably work the same amount of days as a regular person, but they're, you know, if they can hold, I know people who work like high time turns and um, they work, they work more like, you know, a, I'd say a pilot usually works what, like 75 hours a month and there's flight tenants that work 140, 160. So there are people that do make a lot of money. Uh, I would say that the numbers that you were mentioning seem right on, right on the market, right on the nose. Uh, I'd say most flight tenants, I'd say, I would have set an average salary of like 50,000, 45 uh, depending on how many hours people work, and like I said before, it's not it's not necessarily a high paying job, but that's also not the lowest paying job. Um, mm. if, if especially if you add in um, how much you know, how many flights you took that year, you know that you didn't pay for, and if you if you look at benefits, you know like health benefits and um, retirement and four hundred one k. I I don't look at it as as a low paying job and it's obviously not the highest paying job, but everybody has different. Um, it's so relative because right. to me, I, I feel like I lead a pretty good life at that salary. <laughs> sure. Sure. And that's, you know, it's all about saving money, but you know, to give me some hard numbers sure. to put to that, you know, flight attendants actually make more than the median and the United States and the statistics, the statistics that I'm quoting, are actually from 2010, and the median incomes were like 33,000. So when I say 37, that's above the median. So you're a little bit above right. that median. And when you said you can work extra hours, you know, all the things that I'm quoting are 75 to 90 hours. If you're right. working more hours, you can do. I believe me, I know flight attendants making 90 to 100,000 a year. Yes, they do yeah. work hard. Uh, but they, they do work hard. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they, but they, and and a lot of them know how to play the system. There's right, and yeah. which that's pretty complex, and sometimes I don't even understand how to do it. But there's you know ways to make extra money with not working quite as much, but taking those trips that pay more because you're say going overseas, your speaker pay, and all those things. Right, all those things. Yeah, can really add up. And uh, like the what what are the things that you can get paid extra for? There's nighttime pay, international pay, language pay, and actually it makes a big difference. Some people, everybody has a different strategy, but also if you're working really long trips, like we have some trips that are like seven, eight day trips where you're traveling all over Asia and um, the time away from base or the per diem or whatever you want to call it can really add up because that money isn't taxed. So there's some people that use that angle um, and there's other people who fly uh, flight leader or we also have like a second in command position. So they get paid like $3 an hour more. All those things, um, depending on, you know, what your priorities are, you can make a lot more money. And you can also, there's some people, like you're saying, working the system. There's some people <laughs> who will bid to fly, bid reserve, knowing that they're the most senior person, you know, <laughs> and just stay home most of the time. They're just playing the odds that, you know, they're not going to, their airline isn't going to get to them because they're at the top of the reserve. So they get paid for staying home, which, you know, nobody's going to say that's a bad deal. No, that's a pretty good deal. <laughs> so there's all kind of ways. And actually, I kind of like that. It's kind of like a poker hand, you know, <laughs> everybody right. plays their hand a little differently. Right, right. <laughs> And so, so yeah, there's there's all these opportunities to make some extra cash, but 
But, you know, that's not, not a bad salary there. I mean, I think most people would enjoy making that kind of money of a senior flight attendant at an airline, especially when you figure in all those benefits you get. Because you get, you get the travel benefits, you said, but also airlines give you, what, health benefits usually and then vacation right. pay? Oh, yeah. You know, we get like five weeks vacation, which is much more than most Americans, you know. Uh, most, I think the average is two weeks. So at the top of the, if you're, you know, a senior flight and you're getting five weeks vacation, you can easily turn one week into two, you know, because your schedule's so flexible. Uh, it's a lot more vacation than most people. So in general, I hate to sound like a Pollyanna because I, I know I tend to be, but I really think <laughs> now that it's, I know it's changed. I know it's not as glamorous as it used to be, but in my mind, it's still a really good job. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, I like to tell people how tough my job is and, and make them feel sorry for me. But <laughs> but like you said, all those days off, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm somewhat senior where I am and I'm able to, I, I get up sometimes six months off in a year if you look at all the days. That's right, a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of yeah. time. And yeah. uh, so you can get some time off and you can do other things because there's some flight attendants and I know pilots do, but I, I'm sure there's a lot of flight attendants that have other careers even outside yeah. of, of being yeah. a flight attendant. They build those schedules down so they can do their other things, whatever those things are, you know. Well, that, a lot of people do that. There's a lot of real estate agents. There's all kinds of different jobs. And actually, um, I do a podcast and I kind of book published and I have all kind of extracurricular activities that you know I, I probably wouldn't be able to do if I didn't have as flexible a schedule. Speaking of that you you know we talked offline for a little bit and you mentioned this podcast that you had and I you know podcasting is this is great it's a great medium it, it enables people to listen to things on demand when they want to hear it and it's very specific but you know you're really one of the pioneers in this whole podcasting. You've been doing this for quite some time. And first of all, what's the name of the podcast, and how long have you been doing this? I've been doing my podcast for seven years. It's called Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase, and I take my recorder to work with me, and I record flight attendants and pilots telling funny stories. And plus, I do a lot of traveling. So one of my taglines on my podcast is, you know, like we can travel the world together. Because <laughs> I take my recorder, like I took my recorder to Costa Rica, and I recorded people telling stories about having hundreds of baby turtles come into a restaurant. So my podcast is um, it's mainly airline stories, but it's also some. Uh, travel stories. And um, I started podcasting really before anyone had ever heard of podcasting. And actually the BBC, and that's the other thing about a podcast, um, uh, is that before I had a podcast, nobody was that interested in what I had to say. <laughs> like the fact that I, I've been interviewed by the BBC or Travel and Leisure Magazine or whatever it was, it's all from the podcast. It's like putting yourself out there on the internet can bring in opportunities that you would never even see coming. But the the BBC, when I, this was many years ago, and they, they said, um, Betty the Sky with a Suitcase, the world's first podcasting flight attendant. And I was like, the world's first? I was just excited <laughs> to be the world's first anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's terrific. I tell you, that, that is. And, uh, and, you know, that podcast you have is awesome. I, and the thing that I like about it, and I really, it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It's, it really is stories of, from the airline. You don't just talk about flight attendant stories. You talk to actual pilots. And you hear things like, you know, their flying stories and the good, the bad, and uh, things that some I, people... Sometimes I like the um, military flying stories. I yes. like those. <laughs> yes, I noticed that. I was actually listening to an episode recently, and there's a lot of stories about the military and, and what those people did on missions, some of the military pilots. I'm a civilian pilot, but it's 
really, really interesting stuff. And the uh, what what's neat is that you bring this recorder everywhere, and and you even bring it on your travels. And I actually really recommend people if you're thinking of being not just a flight attendant but even a pilot, I think you should listen to this because you will get a feel of what you can do on overnights. And also yeah. what it's like to actually travel all these places. And, and I, th- I think that's terrific. But now with this podcast, you did something else. You took that podcast, and actually this is our recommendation for this episode, you turned that into a book. And the book is called Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. And what, Now what is that book? Could you tell us a little bit about that? It's mainly the podcast put in book form. It's like a lot of the funny stories, a lot of pilot stories, flight attendant stories. And um, it's all in book form because some people there's still a lot of there's still people that don't know what a podcast is Mm -hmm. (laughs) they they still like their you know their hardcover you know an actual book so um i had no intention of writing a book the publisher came to me because of the popularity of the podcast and said you know do you want to do a betty book (laughs) i was (laughs) like sure (laughs) but what's nice is that it's uh it's it's different from the podcast because it also has and it's funny because what i'm i'm sort of uh, whimsical and silly. So a lot of people are surprised that there's actually a lot of um, aviation trivia <laughs> and airline trivia in the book that a lot of people like because um, they're actual facts, <laughs> interesting facts, but um, cool. they aren't expecting that from me. <laughs> yeah, it's neat. that I, There were some trivia things. out, Like the you had talked about the size of a 747 and then the wing was like the size of a basketball court. I had no idea. You know, that was really neat stuff. I, I could use that someday maybe to win a quarter or something. <laughs> but, but yeah, that the uh, Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. Now that book, of course, we're going to put some links on aviationcareerspodcast.com, dot com. But where else can they find that book, and how can they get a hold of it? Sure, on Amazon dot com mm-hmm. under Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. The podcast is on iTunes, and my website is Betty in the Sky dot com. Betty in the Sky dot com. I, you know, I suggest everybody go there. Now, you know, as we close this out, I you know. One of the things that I like to ask people is what kind of, you know, last advice maybe when before leaving would you give to somebody that's uh, interested in this career, in this career of being a flight attendant? What type of advice would you give a person brand new, doesn't know anything about getting into this job as a flight attendant? Where could they find information? Of course, listening to this, but where else could they find information? Um, I, you know, I would suggest my podcast because they actually hear stories about I'm recording other flight attendants telling their stories. They tell stories about when they were first hired and, you know, like their, their worst flight and their best flight. And they talk about the celebrities on the plane. But I, what I would say to people, when I first started flying, people used to say to me, um, good luck with your career. And I used to think, good luck with my career. Cause I didn't think of it as a career actually when <laughs> I first started flying. Cause most people think, Oh, I'm going to fly for two years. But I, over the years, I've realized that, I am a career flight attendant, and it is a good career. And anybody who who wants to pursue it, I would say um, apply to every airline that's hiring. Um, just just go out there and do it. Just just fight the bullet. Get out there. And if, like I said before, if you are really serious, and say a lot of young people will listen to the podcast, and you know they'll be in high school, and if you are going to go to school, I would suggest if you really want to be a flight attendant to study a language. I think it's your best leg up. Well, that's great advice. Boy, Betty, I tell you, you've given us some great information. I'm glad we had you on as our first flight attendant on Aviation Careers Podcast here. And, and uh, you know, your energy really does come through. And, 
And I think that people will be inspired by your story, and they can find so much great information again at Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. And, and but you know, really, thanks for coming along, and and I appreciate it. That was you know, fun. And, and again, how's what's some other ways they can get in touch with you if they want to? Of course, they can contact me, but what's what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, well, um, on my website, BettyInTheSky.com, I have links and uh, yeah, my email address, FlyWithBetty at gmail.com. <laughs> people email me all the time, actually. And I actually will give people, you know, they'll ask me questions about, you know, I have an interview with this airline, and I take the time and I write them back because, you know, I would have liked someone to help me when I was starting out, you know, so I'm happy to help. Great. And, you know, that's exactly what we're doing here at Aviation Careers Podcast. We're trying to, to give people an avenue of, of looking at those different careers. And if you do have questions, of course, you can contact me and I'll, I'll forward them to Betty. The, the easiest way to contact me is at aviationcareerspodcast.com slash contact or just click on the contact button. We also actually recently set up a voicemail box where you can actually leave your comments, suggestions for episodes, or questions for Betty, and that's really easy to find. It's 347-MY-WINGS or 347-699-4647. And you can find me at Twitter, Flying Careers, that's at twitter.com slash flyingcareers, and also at Facebook under Aviation Careers Podcast, or by email, just click on the contact page, click email. And send them along. Well, folks, I really appreciate you listening to us today. And this has been great to learn about these careers as a flight attendant. You can find us here on iTunes, Stitcher. Again, it's uh, at aviationcareerspodcast.com. And remember, if, if this is something you want to do is become a flight attendant or any other career that you're looking at, make sure you, you just look at the goal, set that goal, and start moving towards that goal. And most importantly... Enjoy that journey towards your aviation career goal. Thanks for listening, and we really do appreciate Betty coming here today. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.